Are you ready to receive the word this morning? Hallelujah. And I trust it will be another faith-building message. Amen. As the song that you've just sung, Give Me Faith. And we're living in days where probably more than ever before, we need faith. We need faith. As we'll see in the word later on, we are living in the last days. But I don't have to tell you that. You just look around you. You look at the news. And you see that there are so many things happening in this world, hacking away at our faith. When the church started in the first century, it was a new religion. It was a new group of people. And they had so much working against them. They had persecution. They were killed for the faith. They were chased away. They had so much to do. But they stayed faithful. They developed their faith and they stayed strong in the faith. And slowly but surely, the church grew. To become what it is today. Fast forward a couple of centuries and we come to today and we find that again the Christian church is being attacked and persecuted. Even in countries which have been traditionally evangelical countries, today Christianity is beginning to be ridiculed and Christians persecuted. Never mind places where Christians are suffering for their faith. And so, folks, we need, we need to have faith for ourselves and faith for others as well. And so today, I want to speak on the topic of power of prayer. I want to share with you on the power of prayer. It is one of the faith-building things that we can do. We heard about it last Sunday. We spoke about growing faith. And we learn about Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come from hearing the nonsense of the world. It's a specific word that you must hear. The word of God. Not the word of personal opinion. Not the word of this world's philosophies and systems. Not the word of our circumstances. Not the word of popular opinion. And, and masses today are being moved by all these words of popular opinion, of popularity, of the mass media. And many are forgetting the words of God. And their faith is schooling. Let it not happen to us. May it not happen to me, not happen to you. We need to encourage one another. And that's why we get together here and we worship the Lord and we sense his love and we trust in him. To do great things in our lives. And he is doing great things in our lives. Amen. We need to acknowledge that in him we live and we move and we have our being. On Thursday we had a significant prayer meeting over here as you heard. There was a spirit of freedom and intimacy as we worshipped. Our faith grew as we turned our faces towards God. In worship and in the word. We had an anointed time of prayer as we lifted people and circumstances before the Lord and as we anointed those present who needed prayer for sickness. We experienced sweet moments in the presence of the Lord. And folks, prayer is important in our lives. We heard last Sunday that prayer is one of the things that we can do to increase our faith, remember? It is getting to the word Praying and worshiping. Those three things, we must continuously do them intentionally. We don't need the spiritual anointing to do any of those three things. We must just decide to do them. And as we apply ourselves, as we apply our time and our energy into doing them, your faith will increase. For centuries, believers have been focusing on these three practices 
to strengthen their faith. And I trust each one of us is being serious about those things. But today I want to take the topic of prayer a little further. Amen? The topic of prayer a little further. Prayer cannot be just something we do periodically when we meet to pray for healing. It cannot even be something we do weekly. When you come to Sunday for a pre-service prayer meeting or when you get together here and we pray like we've been doing today. It cannot even be a a weekly or a daily thing that we do in our moment of devotion to God or when we pray before meals. Now, all of these are very important. They should be done. We should pray as often as we can, be in as many prayer meetings as we can. Pray every day, pray before meals, pray as much as we can. But prayer is more than just praying in these moments. I touched on the importance of prayer And in the power of prayer last Sunday, when I say that prayer must be a lifestyle. And so I want to turn to our text this morning, which is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. A a, a verse which I think is popular and that you know, it simply says, pray without ceasing. Are you doing that? You see, this verse has been a cause of contention. With many believers. And over the centuries, it has even caused some believers to separate themselves from the world. And and, and to form societies and unities, you know. And and they separate themselves and they go into a monastery. And they seclude themselves and they spend their lives just praying. Is that what the Lord intended us to do with this? Are we supposed to put a stop on everything and just spend the whole day from the time you wake up to the time you sleep on your knees or on the couch just praying, praying, praying? Well, let's unpack this verse a little bit. Because you see, when Paul writes this verse, the term that he uses in the Greek indicates two things. Number one, this is a command. It's an order. He's telling the church, guys, pray without ceasing. It's a command. It's not an option. It's an order. Pray without ceasing. Number two, It is written in such a way that you will be part of the results of your prayer. So you are praying for something and that for which you are praying, you are going to see the result of that and you are going to be celebrating that as well because you're going to be part of the result. So you've got to pray without ceasing. Let's unpack this a a little bit. And I pray that as we we look at this verse and a couple of other verses this morning, that... um, you'll get a slightly different understanding, maybe a new revelation, new insight into praying without ceasing and on the power of prayer. I believe that you pray. I think we all pray, especially in moments of danger, of pain. God help me, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll pray. But there's something else that God is calling on us to do in terms of praying without ceasing. All right? Now, you know, we all know that the shortest verse in the Bible, we say is Jesus wept, right? Jesus wept is the shortest verse in the Bible. In the Greek, though, uh, there are more verses which are very short as well. And this is one of them. In English, it's three words. In Portuguese, it's three words. And probably in other languages as well. I don't know. It's in Afrikaans. Yeah, we can work the word there. But uh, in Greek, this is only two words. Only two words, yeah. So when, when we write here, when we hear here, pray without ceasing, Paul wrote only... Two words in, in, in Greek. And I'm going to share these two words uh, with you. When he says pray, 
The word for prayer in this verse is the word prosuchomai. Prosuchomai. You don't have to learn the word. I'm just, I just what I want to share with you is the, the, the meaning of the word, really. And this is a compound word. It's a word made, of, made out of two Greek words. Prosuchomai is made out of pros and eukomai. Pros means to or toward. Move to and move toward. That's pros. Eukomai means wish or desire. Wish or desire. And when you put these two words together in Greek, it gets translated as prayer. And the meaning of this is this, that you are manifesting, you're expressing your wish or desire towards someone. So you're coming to someone and you're expressing your wish and your desire. That's what the word prosokomai means. That's what prayer means in this context, in this verse. And in the New Testament, whenever this word is used, prosokomai, it always means that people are moving towards God to bring to him their wish and their desire. Okay? Now you might say, but that's, that's the meaning of prayer. No, yeah, true. That, that is the general meaning of prayer. The fundamental essence of prayer is when a believer prays, what he's doing, he's expressing his or her wish or desire to God. So the first thing we notice about a prayer is that prayer is the expression of one's wish and one's desire to God. So why must we express your wish or desire to God without ceasing. Why must we do that continuously? You know why? Because there is power in prayer. Amen. You're wondering, really, Pastor? <laughs> we need to get by and get this revelation, this understanding. There is power in prayer. Notice this, the disciples. The only thing the New Testament records that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them was what? Lord, teach us to pray. Oh, so you've heard about it. Why didn't they say, Lord Jesus, teach us to walk on the water on a stormy day? Wouldn't that be cool? Lord Jesus, teach us to multiply food. We could start a nice little sideline business over here, you know. <laughs> Jesus, teach us how to raise the dead. And we'll go throughout all the villages impressing people and calling them to you. Huh? They didn't ask any of those cool things. They asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Why is that? These guys, they've been observing Jesus. And they noticed Jesus was a man who prayed Without ceasing. He took time to pray. But he lived a life of prayer. And they noticed that. Because he lives a life of prayer. And this life of intimacy with God. Because of that. He's able to do all that. All those other things. Those big things. And they put two and two together. And they said you know what. There's no point asking him to do those things. If we don't learn how to pray first, because that is his source of power. And so they come to him and say, Lord Jesus, teach us to pray. And he begins by teaching them the Our Father. But then throughout his ministry, he spent time teaching his disciples about prayer. 
It would be a good idea for you and I to kind of tune in and, and, and learn what did Jesus teach his disciples about prayer. Because let's face it, when Jesus went up to heaven, those guys went ahead and they did some great things for God. And we need to know and understand the power of prayer. One of the places, one of the things that Jesus taught his disciples about prayer is found in John 14. So John 14 is one of the places where Jesus teaches them about prayer. We're going to read verses 12 and 13 of John chapter 14. And this is Jesus speaking and he says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Amen. Now, this conversation takes place between Jesus and his disciples during that last supper just before he suffered and died. They sitting together that Thursday evening, they're having a meal. And Jesus is teaching them and, and giving them instructions in what they should do once he's not there anymore. And here, he's telling them what they should do when, listen, when he's not living with them anymore, but rather living in them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he's teaching them that evening. He's telling them, listen, I'm going to go away. But it's a good thing I'm going away because I'm going to go, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send another one exactly like me. But he's going to be with you and in you. And so now he's, 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 he's painting a picture of the future. What is going to be happening? When Jesus is not going to be with them anymore, but in them. And he says, when that day comes, this is what's going to happen. You're going to do greater things than I've done. And you ask in my name and I will do it. Wow. And so what, what's happening over here? At this moment, at this moment, Jesus is looking past the present where he is with his disciples. He's confined to a body and a physical realm. He's looking past that. He's looking past his crucifixion, past his burial, past his resurrection, past his ascension. To a time when the believers are living with him inside of them. He will be dwelling in them. In his people. And by doing that, he says, he'll be able to minister through many believers at one time in many places. Look, in the, in the time of Jesus, he could only be in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem or in Nazareth. He couldn't be in both places. He could be in one place at a time. And so he says, guys, he who believes in me, if you've got me inside of you, you're going to do what I do. And you're going to do even more. The more means in quantity. There's going to be more done of what I am doing. You are going to do much more of what I have been doing. You are going to do it. Those who have me dwelling in them. Think of, of Jesus preaching, praying, and worshiping the Father when he was here 
on earth. Can you imagine that? All right? You'd be in a synagogue worshiping and, and preaching. And that's where he was. Today, today, Sunday, 28th, today, Jesus is worshiping the Father through his church all over the world. Hello? Today, Jesus is praying to the Father through his church all over the world. There are billions of Christians gathering today all over the world to hear the word, have fellowship, encourage one another, pray for one another. All over the world. So what Jesus could do in one place 2,000 years ago, it's happening right now all over the world at different times, time frames, multiply times. We as a church today, we are doing more than what Jesus did in his day. Can you see that? Think about it. Because sometimes we hear those verses, oh, he who believes in me, the works that I did, you will do also. So, oh, great. So I'm going to be able to walk on water as well. I'm going to raise the dead. I'm, I'm going to all these cool things. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go walk a little bit. I'm going to walk a lot. On the, I'm going to cross the sea on the water, man. I'm going to do wonderful things. And then we get this a point when you step on your swimming pool and you go down. This is not working. Because we don't understand what Jesus is trying to say over here. We need to dig a bit more. He's saying, what I have done, I'm going to do through you multiply times because I'm putting myself in you through the Holy Spirit. And you're going to preach, you're going to testify, you're going to share, you're going to live my life, and you're going to do so much more than what I could ever do as one man in one place, in one body at one time, and one place at a time. You get it? He says, in my name. If we are to carry out the ministry of Jesus as he instructed us to do, we need to understand the power of prayer and live a prayerful life as Jesus did. And he instructs his disciples and us on how to pray. The reason he said, you're going to do more than me, he says, the reason is, I am going to my Father. I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be with him, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be in you. So I am going to be in you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. But now you have to do something that I did. You have to learn to pray like I prayed and live a prayerful life like I did. So he says the following. He says, ask in my name. Ask in my name. Jesus is teaching the disciples to approach the Father in his name. We are not to approach the Father in any other name. Did you hear that? I'm going to say it again. You are not to approach the Father in any other name. Why? The Word of God says in Acts 4.12, there is no other name given under heaven and given among men by which we must be saved. There is only one name that can bring salvation. And the name is not Mary, it's not Joseph, it's not Allah, it's not Muhammad. It's not religion. It's not religious leaders. It's not Buddha. 
There's only one name. His name is Jesus. I don't get all technical on me. No, it's not. It's Yeshua. You could go technical on that. Like, Jesus is not going to listen to your prayers because you're not getting the name of the sinners of heart. He knows what I mean. Okay? His translation to us is Jesus. Could be Joshua, which is what Yeshua means. But we know it as Jesus. Okay? That's been our translation, our transliteration. He knows who we're talking to. And I understand Jesus because everybody gets my name wrong too. Okay? Over 50 years in South Africa, and I get called all sorts of things. But I'm never confused when people are talking to me. I know they're talking to me. Even if they get my name wrong. And I still talk to them and I, I, I communicate. So don't worry. Jesus isn't going to get hang up about you mispronouncing his name, all right? He knows your heart. The point is this. The name is Jesus. Not any other name. And if I may interject something over here, you know, uh, I'm sure you all have in your, in your WhatsApp, you know, you all sorts of prayer groups and people praying and so on. And it really bothers me sometimes when Christians come on there and they, and they post prayers to God, but through somebody else. Oh, saint this and saint that. Please ask God on behalf of this and on behalf of that. What the Bible say? Pray in the name of? Jesus. And I don't mean to offend anyone or to, you know, to. But we have to get back to the word, guys. All those saints of people, men and women, who in centuries past lived a life devoted to God. And they are acknowledged as such. We are to follow the example. Not pray to them. Mary was a wonderful woman. A woman of faith. And she suffered for her faith. But you're not to pray to Mary. You have to thank God for Mary and follow her example. Men and women must follow the example of faith that Mary had. When she was faced with situations she did not understand, never happened before, she simply said, Lord, your servant is here. Let your all be done in my life. Hmm? So we follow the example of those so-called saints. Look, we are present-day saints. We're also called saints. And hopefully, down the line, somebody's going to think back of you and me and say, man, I, I appreciate the faith that Valdir had and, and this guy and that guy and that lady. I, I want to be like them. Hopefully, our lives will, will stir that kind of memory in, in generations to come. But let them remember our faith and follow our example, not pray to us and through us. And guys, I'm saying this because it is so easy for us to get distracted and pulled away. When we do that, we lose the power of prayer. God sets very clear guidelines. Jesus said, pray in my name. Come to the Father in my name. What he is doing, he is giving us the authority, the permission to come to the Father in his name. What he's saying is this. We ought to pray in his name. But Jesus did not say that this in his name is a little formula for believers to get whatever they want. We read the verses. Oh, uh, uh, whatever you ask in my name. This is wonderful. Father God, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I want that new BMW. Thank you. 
Oh, in the name of Jesus, I want a new pool in my home. In the name of Jesus, I want a big, beautiful house on the hill with three stories. It's mine, Lord, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Excuse me. What did Jesus say? Whatever you ask in my name, what he's doing here is giving us the power of attorney. To stand before God as a representative of Jesus. And just like Jesus would come and stand before God and pray. And express his desire to God. Remember prayer is expressing your desire to God. And so you come and express. And what was the desire of Jesus as he came before God? You would say, Father, let your will be done. What do you want me to do, Father? Because Jesus said, whatever I say, I've heard from the Father. Whatever I do, my Father told me to do it. And I live my life to glorify the Father. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So just like Jesus lived a life to glorify the Father, now he's saying, guys, you do that in my name now. I'm going, but I'm giving you the power of attorney. To act on my behalf. And continue to glorify the Father in my name. So when I come before God to bring my wishes and desire. My first wish and desire must be what? Lord, what is your will? And then I connect with God based on that. Listen. If you give me a power of attorney. To act on your behalf. I've got my sister Madalena over here. Since she goes to, she has to go to Brazil for a couple of weeks or months, and she gives me a power of attorney to look after her things over here, to, to sort out her affairs. She gives me power of attorney. So I say, yay, I've got power of attorney. Okay? Wonderful. I've got access to her banking account. I've got access to her belongings. I've got access to everything. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm going to get myself a new car. <laughs> Is that what I do? No. That power of attorney allows me to do whatever, whatever needs to be done on her behalf. I am here fighting for her cause, not mine. I'm, do, I'm here to do her will, not mine. To look after her affairs, not mine. If I take that power of attorney and I go and spend her money on me, I'll be in serious trouble. She's going to sue me out of everything. Hello? And I think some Christians are about to be sued. Because they are trying to take what is God's and spend on their own flesh. Hallelujah. Getting quiet in this church. <laughs> you, you see, when it says, in my name, we come to the Father representing Jesus. Father, I'm here. I'm a child of God. I'm your child. I'm here in the name of Jesus, representing your son Jesus. All right? He's given me this power of attorney to handle your business on earth. Father, what is our agenda today, Lord? What do you want? What am I to do? And sometimes it's very wonderful to do the work of the Lord. Sometimes it's very painful. Ask Jesus. Father, if it be thy will, but nevertheless let your will be done. I'll do it. Okay. Huh? Are we ready for that? 
You see, we all, we all want the big results. But you don't realize that power in prayer lies in understanding prayer, your position, your authority, what you've been given, the responsibility which is upon you and me. We are here representing Jesus. We are representatives of Jesus. Amen? And so Jesus states the purpose of praying by saying that the Father may be glorified. So everything that Jesus did brought glory to the Father. And so prayer is an expression of one's wish and desire to God. And from this passage, you understand that in order for my prayer to be answered, in order for my answer to be guaranteed, one's wish and one's desire must be aligned with God's will. And that is why we need to get in the word, amen? That you can pray according to the word and according to the will of God. Let's go back to Thessalonians, 1, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. It has to be aligned with God's will. It has to be um, our desire aligned with God's desire. Again, this verse is three words in English, only two words in, in the Greek, original Greek. The first word is prosekomai, uh, which means prayer, you know, your desire towards God. And now we know that my, it's not just my desire, whatever I want. I need to understand what is God's will. Now, if I, if I am going to represent, coming back again with my little example with, with my sister over there, if I've got her power of attorney, what you're going to do is you're going to spend some time, I've got to communicate with her. To understand exactly what it is that she wants me to do while she's away. So I have to communicate. And while she's away, we're going to be on WhatsApp and what stuff. You're going to be communicating back and forth. So that day by day I know what matters I've got to take care of according to her will. That's what the power of attorney is. And so the same thing comes to prayer now. I'm, I'm, I'm here representing Jesus. And so I can't just, just read a verse of 2,000 years ago and, and I get the more or less the gist of what God wants and try to live today on that little bit of information. I need daily communication with God. Remember, Jesus is alive, so he's still talking to us today. The Holy Spirit is here. He is here to tell us what he hears from the Father and from the Son and communicate to us. And so on a daily basis, on a continuous basis, I've got to be in touch with the Lord to update what is my next step? What am I doing today? What do I do in this situation? So that His will can be done. So that I can ask according to His will so that He may answer me. Amen? So, first word is prosukumai, prayer. The other word is the word adieliptos. Adieliptos. You've never heard this word. Never mind, it's a Greek word. But when Paul said, prosokomai adialiptos, he got the people's attention. What the people heard in the first century, I want us to understand today. We are now in winter time, and I know some of you have been, have been struggling with a nagging cold. And some of you, together with nagging cold, you've been having a nagging cough, haven't you? <coughs> and you care about your bed. <coughs> and you know, <coughs> throughout the day. And, 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 you know, and if somebody asks your friend, hey, how's he doing? You'll say, I'm still coughing. <laughs> still coughing. <coughs> now, this word, this Greek word, this second word over there, okay, uh, dialiptos. Um, this word is only used here in the whole of the New Testament. It's the only place this word is used. And in the, in the first century, 
This word was actually a medical term. It was a Greek word, but which was linked to a very ancient uh, Egyptian word. You know, like, like today, in, in medicine, most of the medical terms are based on like, Greek terms, okay, on ancient Greek words. Uh, back in the first century, they also had some of these, these words which are linked to other ancient terms. And so, this was a medical condition. This, this word was only used as a medical term for a particular diagnosis. And the condition that this word used to describe in the first century is nagging cough. Nagging cough. So Paul says, bring your wishes and desires to God like a nagging cough. I want you to catch that picture. I want you to leave here today with that in your mind. And whenever in the shopping mall and somebody coughs, I want you to remember this verse. And I want you to start praying. Every time you cough, you pray, man. <laughs> and understand the principle that he's trying to bring over here. Without ceasing is a single word in Greek. A dialeptos, which means a nagging cough. All right? So, while the person... You know, didn't cough continuously every moment. But you would still cough often. And they would say of him, he's still coughing. <laughs> In other words, to pray without ceasing is not that you stop everything. And you spend 24 hours now praying, 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 praying. No. It means that you are in constant contact with God. You pray. The guy with a the cough, they'd say, how's he doing? They'd say, ah, oh, he's still coughing. And uh, when somebody inquires about you in terms of prayer, somebody should, should say, he or she is still praying. Amen. They're going about their work, but they're praying. They're driving, but they're praying. They're cooking food, but they're praying. Whatever they're doing, they're praying. Yes, they go to church, they go to a prayer meeting. Yes, they've got a devotional time where they put everything aside and they read the Bible and they pray. But throughout the day, they pray. When you've got an nagging cough, life doesn't stop. You're doing your work, <coughs> and you're driving, <coughs> and you're doing the gardening, <coughs> okay, and you're dusting the floor. <coughs> and, well, you can be driving, and you can be praying. You can be working, and you can be praying. You can be sweeping the floor, and you can be praying. Do you see what's happening over here? A lifestyle of prayer, a lifestyle of being connected with God. Father, what is your will? Speak to me, Lord. Bless this person. Oh, yes, I've just remembered that situation. God, don't you touch my brother's life. And oh, God, I've just remembered my, my brothers in, in Russia. They've got this law pending now. There's about to be a sign, law's about to be signed in Russia, that if they sign this, Christians cannot meet anywhere. Only in the state churches. If you have a house meeting and they catch you, you go to prison. The window of opportunity opened in Russia some years ago and missionaries went in, they're planting churches, they're discipling people. But it seems that window is about to close. We need to pray for our brothers in Russia. In China, Christians are being taken to prison every day. For no reason. Except, oh, I saw you with a Bible. Come. Pastor's in jail because he's accused of selling Bibles in his church to, to the people. Number one, he wasn't selling, he was giving them away. But his crime is being a Christian. And sharing the word of God. 
And throughout the world, this is happening. So, yeah, you're going about your work, and all of a sudden you remember, oh, I've got a prayer meeting tonight. And you go, wow, I've got freedom in this nation. Lord, help my brothers in those countries that have no freedom. And you're in touch with God, and you know it's God's will that our brothers, they be strengthened so they can continue preaching the gospel and, and taking the word out. When you talk to our brothers, when you, when you get communication from them, the one thing they ask all the time from the church in the ways is, brothers, pray for us. That God will give us the strength to stand firm in the face of this persecution. The power of prayer is that when you pray here, you can cause something to change on the other side of the world. And the devil knows that. The devil knows the power of prayer. So putting this whole verse together of Thessalonians, the, the picture that Paul is painting is the following. He says, you are to continually express to God your wishes and desires which are according to his will with the frequency of a nagging cough anticipating that you will receive and participate in its assured result. And we will. Some things will rejoice in this life. Some things are going to find out in the next when you're with the Lord and you're going to rejoice anyway. We're going to be part of what you're praying for. Guys, we have to be watchful in prayer. 1 Peter 4, 7, quickly as we come to a close. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. That praying without ceasing thing, be serious about it. Take it seriously. It's not a joke. It's not just a little Christian thing. It is powerful. It is serious business. Pray like you've never prayed before. Be watchful. Be alert. Look what's happening around you. And turn those things into prayer. Pray for the politicians. Pray for the nation. Pray for the church. Pray for your family. Pray for your children. Pray for your parents. Pray for your community. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your friends. Pray. If it moves, pray. If it doesn't move, pray that it won't move. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be watchful. And listen, guys. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Listen, if in the first century the end was at hand, how close do you think we are to the end in the 21st century? We are 21st, 22nd, what are we? I don't know. I lost count. <laughs> we are close, man, to the end. God help us. And so, more than ever, there's an urgency to pray. Notice again, the end is at hand. And what do they say? Pray, 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 pray that God's will will be done. There is always something calling out these days for our time and attention. The devil knows the power of prayer and he wants to distract you from being watchful. He wants to distract you from being serious about your prayer. The devil does not want us thinking about Jesus during the day. And he wants us too tired to pray at night. Huh? Many years back, an article came out, and I actually read it here in church, long, long time ago. An article came out about a, a, a meeting that Satan had. We had some intelligence work, and some guys infiltrated, and they, they heard this meeting, which Satan had with his demons, and it was published, okay? And uh, I managed to find a copy of that, that, that meeting. I want to read it to you. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Satan called a worldwide convention. In his opening address to his demons, 
He said, we can't keep the Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't even keep them from biblical values. But we can do something else. We can keep them from forming an intimate, continual experience with Christ. What is he saying? In other words, he's saying we can prevent them from praying like a nagging cough and having that intimacy with Jesus all the time. We, we, we can prevent that. All right? He said, if they, if they gain that connection with Jesus, if they're connected with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to church. Let them have their Christian lifestyles, but steal their time so they can't gain that experience with Jesus. This is what I want you to do. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining that vital connection throughout the day. The demons looked at him and they said, how shall we do this, boss? And he said, keep them busy with the non-essentials of life and invest in numbered schemes to occupy their minds, he answered. Tempt them to spend, spend, spend. And then borrow, borrow, borrow. Convince them to work six or seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day, so can they can afford their lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with their children. As their families fragment, soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work. <laughs> Overstimulate their minds so they cannot hear that still small voice. Entice them to play the radio or CD player wherever they drive. To keep the TV, the DVD player and their CDs going constantly in their homes. Fill their coffee tables with magazines and newspapers. Pound their minds with news 24 hours a day. Invade their driving moments with billboards on the roads. Flood their mailboxes and email with junk, sweepstakes, and every kind of newsletter and promotion. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their holidays exhausted, disquieted, and unprepared for the coming week. And when they gather for spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so they leave with souls unfulfilled. Let them be involved in evangelism, but crowd their lives with so many good causes that they have no time to seek the power from Christ. Soon they'll be working in their own strength, sacrificing their health and family unit for the good cause. <laughs> Guys, it was quite a convention. And the demons went eagerly to their assignments. Has the devil been successful in his scheme? You be the judge. Are you tired? Worn out? Burn out on religion? Listen to Matthew 11, 28 to 30 from the message. Come to me. 
get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Eh? I don't know about you, but I think those demons are doing a good job of putting the agenda of that convention to practice. Hello? I find myself falling victim to that sometimes. Sometimes God has had to pull my ear and say, Valdir, you're so busy working for me, you don't have time to be with me. And Father prefers time with you than you working for him. And I've had to make adjustments sometimes from time to time. Guys, we need to be alert. And I hope this message stirs in you the understanding of the importance of prayer. The devil knows the power of prayer. And he tries to keep believers from a continuous, intimate fellowship with the Lord. We need to realize that we are missing if we don't have that life of intimacy. We need to realize what we are missing by not having that closeness to God through prayer. And we need to correct our ways, folks. We are to do His will, not ours. Seek His way, not ours. Pray in His name as His representatives. He's given you that authority. Don't undermine who you are. Don't say, I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, holy enough. Of course you're not. That's why you need Jesus. I do everything I do as a minister, as a pastor, as a man, a husband, as a father, not on my authority and my good works because <laughs> I need Jesus. He gives me that authority. He gives me that position. I am righteous before God only because of Jesus, not because of what I do or don't do. And, and so are you. Accept that. Let Jesus take care of your past and all this stuff. You take on your position as his representative. There is power in prayer when you understand you are a representative of Jesus. Desiring God's will to be done. Even if it does not match your will. There is power in prayer when you take prayer seriously in these last days. Becoming part of the results of the prayers that you pray in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? May we all respond to this last day's call from God to pray continuously like a nagging cough. Huh? Will you commit or recommit to doing it? We are going to pray continuously like a what? Huh? Maintain that intimacy with Jesus. Are you willing? If you are, stand up with me. Let's, let's close in prayer and let's ask the Lord for his help and guidance. That truly he will strengthen our faith as we continue to put these things into practice and seek him. And that through developing this intimacy with him on an ongoing basis, we will become more and more aware of his presence, of his will. 
and we'll see the results of our prayers. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this time together in your house. Thank you for every person present. Thank you for every home represented here, my God. And thank you, Father, that you're calling each one of us, each person here who has heard this message. I thank you, Father, for every person listening to this message in this recording. Every household represented by people listening to this recording, no matter where they are, Father. Thank you that you're calling us today, opening our minds, giving us a new understanding of what prayer is all about. What prayer without ceasing is all about. And Lord, with your help and in the strength of your spirit, we commit ourselves, Lord, to bring our desires to you continuously like a nagging cough. To seek your face and seek your will, my Father. To endeavor to hear from you and do what we hear. To understand your guidelines for our lives, in our choices, in our moves, in our dealings with people, in our dealings at our work, in our businesses, with family members, with friends, in the church, in schools, wherever we may be, Father. Won't you use us as representatives of Jesus, kingdom representatives, we are coming to you in the name of Jesus. And as Jesus was coming before you and seeking your will, so we come today, Lord, and we, we, we commit ourselves going forward. When we come to you, Lord, we come in the name of Jesus. We come as representatives of Jesus. Not to bring our agenda, but to hear from you, Lord, what is your agenda? And as we bring requests before you, Lord God, we want to filter them through your agenda and your purposes, Lord. And pray according to your will, so that the works that Jesus did, we may do also. Except not only one man in one place, but all of us all over the world, repeating and reproducing what Jesus did for one reason only. To the glory of God the Father. That the Father may be glorified through the Son. It is our prayer this morning, Lord. Help us as we seek your face. Help us as we endeavor to pray without ceasing. So now by the love of God the Father. The grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with each one of us. As we bring our wishes and desires before God, like a nagging cough, until he comes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Have a great day. God bless you. Amen. Amen. <laughs>